Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week it's Smoke. Smoked a pack of cigarettes before I did that read, David. It sounded like it. But you know what they say, smokers are jokers, and that's about uh, people who like this song a lot. Is that right? So the self-proclaimed smoke defender is really the joker. Uh, I mean, that is, I believe that is in the book of Revelation, um, according to uh, Steve Miller. So, you know, I, I take it at face value. You want to see a magic trick? Yes. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week we are talking about the closing track on the band's fifth LP, Crimson? Fifth. Mm-hmm. Self-titled always. That way. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like their seventh album. Yeah, <laughs> it really does to me, which is goofy, but... uh yeah, I, I think it's so funny because I, I a friend of mine texted me earlier and he was like, what band has like the best B-sides? And I'm like, honestly, like it's a fucking rote answer for me at this point. But like the Alkaline Trio collection LPs are like, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, basically two of their favorite albums. So like, I don't know. That's kind of the answer. Uh, and... I feel like self-titled, like, I knew it was a comp, but, like, you know, we've talked about it a ton, but, like, it just doesn't feel like that. And, you know, the fact that that's out before Infirmary, which is the third record, it just really throws the timeline off, because it's out so fucking early in their career. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Crimson is definitely a tentpole record. I think that it's maybe, like, the last piece of... Uh, the band's second era and Mm -hmm. smoke is the song that wraps it all up and crimson's a record that you and i have discussed at great lengths over on patreon patreon.com slash as you were and i plug that not just because you should sign up but this track in particular is a standout for an activity that we did where we resequenced this record. And you, my friend, brought smoke into a whole different light with what you did on your resequencing. Yeah, I mean, smoke is a song that I feel like I've been defending since this record came out. I feel like it's kind of one that, uh, in my experience, people don't tend to love. Um, which is fine and I get it. And I think a big part of that is it's, it's a pretty weak closing track in my opinion. Um, and it honestly, you know, I think I liked the song, but just felt like it was a weird note to end on. And I think a, a pretty common narrative that I feel like in like Elkline Trio fan communities got established was like, Oh, the closing track should have been buried, which is what is kind of at the end of remains from that session. Mm hmm. And I like that song, but I, and it has more closer energy, but it's not, it's not what I feel this album needs. Um, I, when we resequenced it, spoiler alert, it's on the Patreon, but if you are a Patreon subscriber and have not listened to that episode that we did three years ago, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it for you. 
Um, my closer for Crimson is Your Neck. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like this having... I think that song is written in such a way and produced in such a way where if you kind of cut out just the needless kind of like note drags at the end, um, it's kind of a big go... You know, we're sending you home feeling good. And I mm-hmm. think that's what that record needs because there's so many big, slow, building moments. The first track, Sadie, Burn, Prevent This Track. Like, there's a lot of that. And, you know, there are peppier songs. But, like, I think there needs to be, at the end of this record, like, it, it, it's the argument I've heard that, like, Armageddon should have closed Infirmary, which... Uh, I can also see in the sense of like, it's got that, it really ramps up to that last chorus, does the key change, sends you home on that note. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's my pick for Crimson. How could you say anything could close a record that Crawl is on? Like, I mean, that's the, yeah, I don't agree with it, mm-hmm. but I can see that like in both those cases, that's a world in which Crawl does not exist. And I don't, particularly like that personally why would one want um, to live in that world anyway but uh smoke is one that you know since we brought it up i think though i put it in a spot on my crimson reimagining that works for it and i think serves the record well um and obviously the big caveat about this is like to do that properly, you, there's a lot of songs that have like needless count ins or shit at the end of them that keep it from flowing the way I think it should mm-hmm. as a proper album. Mm-hmm. But I think Smoke is a standalone song I really like, and it probably would have been better served just as a B side. Or like, you know, I think that's I think that's where it should have gone. Yeah, and I was thinking um today about how I think on a different record, this might be a really good, like, track number six. Like, a mm-hmm. early uh, side two song that might fit, like, uh, in front of a song like Sadie. Though mm-hmm. that also might drag. Um, but, yeah, I think that the... It, it does feel like it kind of just goes out with a bit of a whimper, especially considering the way your neck, like, oh, your neck totally opens like a closing track. Um, yeah. And I think, like, you know, the case could be made for Back to Hell being the last song on Crimson mm-hmm. if we just keep that sequence. But, you know, they, aside from Crawl, close every record with a little bit more of a down tempo song and um you know the song even though it's full instrumentation is definitely in that vein it's just something that i think doesn't really connect too well and i was trying to put into words for me like what that is and i think that Part of it is that I don't really like the way Dan's vocals are mixed on it. He's got like so much gain on the vocals mm-hmm. throughout this record, and it sounds awesome in some places, but there's so much like fuzziness around his vocals that it's really hard to just like 
personalize them. And for a last song, that's what I need. I know that the lyrics here are deeply personal, but I don't like grab them the way that I do on a blue in the face or a sorry about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of, I I think what you said is really apt because I think my struggle with this song for some time when like I liked it and then kind of didn't like it for a spell was I feel like a lot of what makes it good is really muted Mm -hmm. in the mix and recording where the choruses, I really love Derek's drum part in that, that like really Tom Phil thing that makes Mm -hmm. it, that gives the song so much movement and energy. His backing vocals against Dan are really great, but they're so kind of stamped down in the mix that the song feels really minor and kind of quiet and like it doesn't have dynamics. And when this song really clicked in for me, oddly enough, was seeing them play it live at the past live shows where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like this song hit, it feels a little bigger. Matt's kind of like more vacant pulled back guitar things. Just those weird single notes mm-hmm. in the chorus really give it a nice aura when there's a little just more propulsion behind it. And he's just kind of on the side of the thing. And that doesn't really come through in the recorded version. Um where it's like I I almost never would say, hey, like I think people should check out the past live recording of this song. Uh-huh. It's better than the original. But this is one case where it's like I actually think it's kind of worth checking because I think it it shows a that they're capable of pulling it off live because it sounds like such a studio creation kind of song. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I think just all those things like Dan's voice is a little cleaner. It's more signature Dan sound. Mm -hmm. The drums feel a little bigger in the choruses. It feels like the song is taking a step up instead of like a kind of like shuffle to the side on the recording. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And that's when it really clicked for me. And then going back to it after, I was like, man, like this song is really great. It's just, it's got like four things working against it as it exists and was released, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of is just a bummer. Yeah, totally. Um, this is a song that I really locked into Derek's performance on. There are a lot of things that he does in here that just stand out. Um, like, he hits like an open hi-hat at like the end of every first and third on mm-hmm. the verse. That's just like, I don't know. You don't hear a hi-hat that's like left open the way that one is because it's not like a huge like, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's subtle for someone. And especially for someone who is not very subtle, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do feel like the moments where he's getting bigger especially like the transition from the first verse to the second verse like he's kind of falling apart a little bit and you really don't pick up on that and i feel like if this were you know uh an indie rock record if this was a national record that would be really like spotlit spotlit mm-hmm. spotlit those big changes well, I know were yeah. The, the movie about the priests, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you love Boston so much. I assume that's what you're referencing. 
Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I very much agree. I think Derek's performance is really great, and it's at once really loose and then really like tight and focused. And I think that's the thing is like, I think he's so versatile, and you know, I, I really think it's I think it's a well written song that just has a lot of pieces that are presented in the wrong way. Like mm-hmm. that's the only way I can really express my like you know not even a frustration with the song itself but just the way it's kind of rendered because it just feels so comparatively minor to like literally everything that comes before it on crimson everything that comes before it on crimson feels so much bigger Mm um Mm -hmm. and like specifically matt's guitar which i think is actually probably the piece that i like best about the recording is because it is so sparse yeah um but it's that doesn't feel it also feels like that's really prominent on the released version in a way that doesn't need to be yeah it's it's definitely like i don't know you hear you hear like the same tone that you heard in sadie coming in there's also like during the chorus there's just a really interesting octave that's just hit so mm-hmm. hard um but it is like it's a little bit much i think and it when it just all sort of sits in this space where it's like you know down but it doesn't like you hear the guitar and it it feels like it should be it is forceful but when the rest of the band isn't in that way it's like why do we why, why do we have to track that guitar then if we're not gonna have the whole band like pick up with that yeah and i think that's the thing is like i think i always was kind of stumbling in that spot because it felt like the guitar was the thing that's supposed to signal this pick up into the next moment mm-hmm. but it really is more of a rhythmic shift mm-hmm. and master's kind of leaning back hitting these kind of i don't want to say they're not like discordant because they're with the melodic structure but there's very kind of broken like Mm -hmm. they don't sound like he's fully fretting the note Mm -hmm. you know um and i like that because this is you know not that i think the band should only be rewarded when they get really outside of themselves but i feel like this is a record where there's in the case of every member they're at times playing really like themselves and really not like themselves Mm -hmm. and this is an example of him not being i would say traditional matt skiba and like also not trying to write a lead yeah and just like kind of make sounds that fit the mood and i i wish he would do that more he kind of does a little bit of that when we talked about minds like minefields last week like there's elements there that's a very different Mm -hmm. song um but i respect when he knows that like all right like this isn't the flashiest thing i could do this isn't putting me in the spotlight this is just serving the material really well And I think he misses that mark sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a clear understanding that like the synth lead is really like the, the lead for the song and he doesn't have to carry it. It's like, I was reading, um, uh, Dan was saying that like pre-production on this song was like really, um, kind of like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole they were just kind of like beating their heads against the wall trying to get this song to work and Mm -hmm. he came out feeling like he did and i wonder 
you know, if maybe this was a thing that was forced to such an extent that maybe, like, you kind of lost sight of what the tension to the song is. I don't know. Mm. I do think that, like, one thing that is cool about it is the fact that this is something different. You hear a big cure influence obviously with the synth but also like those guitars that are um you know in the lower register that aren't distorted are very reminiscent of like a 17 seconds or even like the smiths or rem Mm -hmm. like um so there's a lot of cool stuff going on here and i think i'm very pro for that experimentation um i just think that it didn't hit fully and when you have a song that's when you have a record that's 13 songs long and you have this at the end it's like you're not you're not getting paid any extra for that 13th track you're not obligated to put 13 songs on here but you know i can understand like the way one could get stuck on like making it work getting Mm. it to the finish line and just wanting it to be there yeah and i think i mean we we've talked about it endlessly but like you know this is where they start making records that are too long like one could argue good morning is the real start of that and then you know every record's kind of you know they they were putting 12 tracks minimum on most albums Mm -hmm. and that's that's tough. It's tough to get 12, like, really great fucking songs onto a record, like, consistently. You know, five in a row. Um, and this is one, like, I like Crimson a lot, uh, obviously, but, like, there's a better version of it that's 10 songs. You mm-hmm. know, there's a better version of it that's mm-hmm. even 11 songs. And I think, like I said, this is one where, if this is a B-side, I think I would really like it, and I think... I think it might give it a little more shine. There's obviously still issues in with the production. Yeah. Um but I think thinking of this as an album closer as an album closer it's it's one of the weakest they have. Um I, I think it's it, the the weakest up to this point. Yeah. Far 100%. Away. Um 100%. Like even with self-titled included which has 97 at the end like this is the bottom. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I would say, you know, I mean, I think they've really only had one good album closure since, which is fine. So it's like basically from here, they stop being able to close an album effectively. <laughs> um, but I will also say that like what you were saying about like Dan really working to try and just trying to make this work, right? Like trying to get it there. The, one of the big failures, in my opinion, is that this is really the era where this band is no longer road testing material before recording it. Mm. And I think so many artists struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, when bands are younger, they're putting in new two or three songs in a set because who cares? Like, we're a new band anyway. Yeah. And then occasionally, like, you know, I remember uh, fucking the Halloween at the Metro, which is when 2001, when Infirmary's out, I think the second night of that, they played, I think, um, Donner Party. So, like, they were playing Good Morning songs, like, years before the record's coming out. They mm-hmm. were trying this shit out. Mm-hmm. 
that's not happening anymore. Um, and I, I think there's necessity in that. If I'm going to be honest, like, I think, I think this song, if they would have played it live a bit, you know, um, I think it would have helped it. And, And so much so when I say, when I encourage people to check out the past live version, Dan says before it, he's like, I don't know if we ever really played this song. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that that's kind of a telling mark to me is like, I, I think I think they did get the song there, but not, they got the like songwriting part done. Mm-hmm. They didn't get the mm-hmm. song done, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I will say to just poke a, a couple holes in that, that when it comes to you know, sorry about that, uh, blue in the face. They probably weren't playing those songs live either. It's like, sorry about that. They didn't have any live footage for the DVD. They probably didn't play that one until they started doing the record full in concert. True. True. And, uh, but I just mean that with, you know, I feel you. I I know where I know what you're saying. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, I think Crimson was the first time, those 13 songs were not played uh-huh. in tours ahead of time. Whereas every record preceding, you know, they were, they were putting in at least a handful of them, which mm-hmm. to me means they were at least road testing the material that they think needed to be road tested. Yeah, totally. Um, and them not doing that here is just like, just kind of a bummer because I feel like they're the songs that I struggle with most are the ones that I think just, if the screws were tightened a little bit more would make this a stronger record. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, like this is not, you know, this is a song that I like when people don't like it, I'm like, yeah, cause it, it kind of whiffs it when it should be like as strong as the fucking songs you just mentioned. Yeah, totally. And I think that like, (laughs) if we're using the, the, screws being tightened more metaphor this is like when you screw something into the wall and it's a little bit crooked and you had to screw it in super tight to get it to stay there because <laughs> you put it on the wrong mm-hmm. way it's just like oblong a little bit and also like you fucked up uh, a couple of the screws because you had to fucking grind them in there but yeah i will say because you you've used the phrase fucking songs a couple times here and i know you didn't mean it in this way though uh but hookline trio doesn't have a lot of uh actual like fucking songs but this is one this song is like kind of sexy it 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 it's about as close as i would say they get without like laying it on too thick Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. how many stars do you give this <laughs> all this being said i'm i'm gonna go big i'm gonna swing big four stars four songs for a song that we spent most of the time saying ah, it's not that good but i i'm with you though to an extent i'm gonna give it three um and i think that it's one that like I've grown to appreciate in a lot of different ways. And I think that it is a cool look. I would have liked to see them honestly, like do more of it, but like get more comfortable with the dynamics of it. I agree. 
I agree. I think th- I I give it four stars for what I feel it could be, and sometimes uh-huh. maybe is. Uh, as it is on the record, I I would I would probably give it a three genuinely. Mm-hmm. But having heard it and having that kind of unlock for me, and knowing what I think it could sound like with another go, which they will never do, and thank God I'm glad they're not a band who's re-recording old material for new albums. That is an awful look every time. Um, <laughs> They've already done uh, it I, once. Yeah, well, you know. It, well, I mean, I'm just thinking of this based off of the bands where, like, every record has, like, ah, we're gonna, like, oh, I think sure. the Offspring are doing that with their new record, where it's like, ah, oh, we're going to put a new version of Gone Away at the end. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, do you think that was just, like, Noodles' You can't even idea? fill out a 10-song LP anymore. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think th- there's just something I see in it, you know? I see its potential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week we talked about Smoke. Next week we're going to talk about another one, and we invite you to join us, invite you to tell a friend about the show, and rate and subscribe on your podcast player of choice. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were, where we do cool things like resequence records, talk more in long form and we give you all the opportunity to vote on the songs that we talk about each week not this week though but another week another poll somewhere down the line we'll see you next week thank you friends <laughs>